Hey, what's going on? This is Lars Ulrich from Metallica, and you're listening to two guys who I always get my coke from. It's Juan, Joe, of course. I always know Joe is Jose the fucking drug mule. Huh? Ha <laughs> ha! On this podcast, we got to uh, speak with a very special guest for the first time ever. Yeah, this is our first guest we've ever had. Episode number 11. Number 11. Our special guest is comedian Craig Gass. You probably know Craig from Family Guy, The Howard Stern Show. He was on King of Queens. The guy's done a lot of stuff. He's been everywhere. He's a master impressionist and just all around hilarious, funny guy. Yes, and I got to, or we got to know Craig Gass um, through a local DJ, uh, radio DJ here in Phoenix, Arizona, and he actually reached out to me, Craig Gass actually reached out to me to basically do a little work for him, um, an animation for his bit called A Love Letter to Seattle. You can find that uh, animation now on Craig's Facebook page and also on his YouTube channel. Uh, Jose's also got a trailer up on our YouTube channel just to kind of show you what it was about. But uh, the actual letter itself is hosted on his channel, on Craig's channel. And then again, like I said, on his Facebook page. It came out really good. It was really funny. It was already a really funny bit, but then when you put a little bit of life to it, it just you know, takes off a little bit more even. I really enjoyed it. I thought it was great, man. Well, thank you. I, I, I thought, I think the same thing. I think, I think it was great. Um, it was, a, it was actually, it was a lot of work, but it was a lot of fun the entire time. And it was just a, a great opportunity for me. It's something I actually really love to do. And that was a good test to yeah. see if, if, if it was something that I would enjoy the entire process through. <laughs> a little bit of stamina on that one was uh, needed. So it was For a... sure. <laughs> I like climbing hills. Let's see if I can take on this mountain. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let's see if I can move a mountain. Uh, but it was, it was, it was a, a total blast. It was, it was a lot of fun. Um, one of the best compliments I received was a, a friend of ours by the name of Matthew. Um, he actually said to me that it was like two comedians working on one piece, which mm. I just thought that was actually one of the best compliments that I could is, ever get. Yeah, that's a really good compliment. And you, and you did, you know, you when you animate that stuff, even the prior stuff you've done for uh, local DJ for KUPD, um, you bring it to life and you bring the words to life, but you also add your own little pieces to it that enhance it you know something that you think of it, may, it makes you feel this way so you put a little drop in there or um for the radio program put in something a reference from a prior you know piece that everybody in town knows so that, yeah. that was always good you know make those appearances and it's those little uh those little easter eggs and those hidden gems that true fans really appreciate but yeah that, that is a good compliment that's yeah i thought it was very nice not to mention um the compliment that actually baden gives me on this pot during this podcast which i truly appreciate um, and, um, I think it came out great. Craig loved it. Yeah. Uh, we're hoping to possibly work on a couple more, uh, animation pieces, hopefully soon. And that's how, uh, we actually made the connection and he, um, we, I just basically asked him if he can come on uh, to be our guest as a, on, on our podcast. And, um, he pulled through. Yeah. I think when he reflects back on his career, like, 
hanging out with us and being on this podcast will probably be one of the highlights he talks about. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. Juan and who? I know. Uh, oh, oh. <laughs> I remember the name Jose. He did something for me. It was important, but I don't remember the podcast. No, not at all. But it was I, funny. He had a good time, and, and and you know he did a great job. As you know, not that we didn't expect anything less, but no, it and was, I, it was really good. I think the good thing about Craig is that he just he does love to tell stories. Yeah. you'll notice that he loves to talk. But it was it was good. So in this podcast, it was it was a total blast. It was a lot of fun. Um, it was different. So this is not your normal letter from B Red. This is just a special guest. Yep, and we had. We had a fucking great time. Craig is a cool ass dude. He has pulled through and everything that he told me. Yep. Yep. And um, he, he in the end, he definitely said he said I I I had a good time. So I I That's thought good. it was fantastic. I did too. And we do talk about um, the situation with Brad, and we we discuss the letters and all that. It is a part of the episode. We just didn't get to reading one. So right. Um, but still, yeah, it was an awesome episode. It was it a lot was. of fun. I can't wait to have more people on it. It's, it's it it adds some more dynamic to it. I thought it was really good. Me Enjoyed too. It, so. it was it it was definitely it was just much different. And we covered everything yeah. uh, from from murder to comedy to uh, failures in yeah. a sense. Yeah, got some life advice. <laughs> it got some life advice, and we were we would have hoped or we would have liked to have gone a little bit longer. Um, his the, the podcast itself is an hour and a half long, mm-hmm. but it was late. Uh, he had to get up early for the next morning, and we had to unfortunately go to our our full time jobs. Yeah, <laughs> so we ended up having to go about an hour and a half, which is still definitely I think a, yeah. a decent amount. That's of time. a good length. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. But yeah, we just wanted to give a little intro. Uh, make sure to check out the animation, A Love Letter to Seattle. Again, that's on Craig Gass's Facebook, also on his YouTube. And feel free to check out the trailer on our YouTube. It's only 60 seconds long, so I'm sure you guys have 60 seconds to kill. Definitely, definitely. And be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you get updates when we put out new episodes. And we love the fact that you're listening. And if you got anything to say to us, drop us a note. Send us a comment, like it, subscribe, and all that good jazz. Absolutely. Hella, hella like it. And hit that like button hella times. Absolutely. Let's roll it. So here it is with, what does they say? No further ado? <laughs> Without it? further ado. Without further ado, we welcome to you comedian Craig Gass. Craig. How are you? <laughs> Good. It's funny because when you said uh, I, you sent me a text, can I? Can I? Oh man, I don't know if I should give this away. We can always send it. Uh, the name of your place. The legend. Okay, you said, uh, "Hey man, my place is a is a legend," and I and I was like, "Oh yeah, why? What happened?" And I was like, "Oh, that's the name of the place." <laughs> no, 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 like, it's a legend. It's I thought like you were saying, "Oh man, my place is like a legend <laughs> because." Uh, that's where the Holmberg family uh, gangbang took place, or you know, I didn't, I didn't know what you meant by <laughs> like the legend. For the rest of the story. <laughs> because I remember being at a party once. Uh, a comedian friend of mine, um, Craig uh, Shoemaker, called me up one night and said, um, "He goes, dude, um, do you want to go to a big Hollywood party tonight? Um, I got a plus one, 
And there's always like huge celebrities of this thing. It's a trip. It's like this mansion. And this guy hires chefs to come over. And, and it's just like, and it's, they usually, he usually has like big name people perform. And I was like, sure, man. And, and so I went with him and, and, um, and sure enough, man, it was this crazy mansion party that um, all these celebrities had. They had the Beach Boys performing. Uh, Bobby Bobby Brown performed for some reason. Um, it, it was like, and then a, a famous, uh, uh, I think it was Dave Cos. Yeah, I think it was Dave Cos. Like he's a famous sax guy. I, I might be wrong. I know he's like a. I know he's a famous. Um, uh, he, he's a he's a famous musician. He's just not like our style of music. And um, uh, in the middle of the party, and there's all these weird people there. I'm 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 actually trying to Google this guy's name. The guy who played like the bad brother of um, Lou Diamond Phillips in that movie about La Bamba. Who was that guy oh. who played his brother? Oh yeah, yeah. The I know I know who you're talking about. Yeah. Um. Damn it. Uh. What is that guy's name? I have no idea. Uh, uh, I want to say it was like Eric something. Oh, Isai Morales. Oh. Isai Morales was Sam there. And uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, John Stamos was there. It was like all these oh, random. Shit, really? Yeah, because the the guy who executive produced that TV show that Saget and um, and Stamos were on. Full House. Full House, yeah. Oh, so he's right. he's the executive producer of Full House, right? Oh, Jesus. So, so he's got a dollar or two. Right. So getting back to uh, when I get the text from Jose saying, hey, man, my place is the legend. I thought he was saying there's like some kind of story to it because <laughs> I'm, I'm at this house. Right. And uh, and it's a big mansion. There's all these celebrities kind of walking around and it's and they have like amazing food and they have a couple areas of the mansion where they've just set up a bar. And um, and I'm talking to this bartender girl. Who says, uh, "Hey, you know whose place this used to be? Have you ever heard about the history of this place? It's pretty legendary." And I said, "No." And she said, "This was Roman Polanski's house." And I was like, "Oh wow!" And she goes, "Yeah, so you know." And I go, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's crazy." And I'm like, "I'm pretending to know. I don't know what the fuck she's talking about." And then a little bit later, I'm, I'm I run into like a comedian, and he's like, "Hey, man, you know whose house this used to be?" And I said, "I go, yeah, Roman Polanski." And he goes, "Yeah, so how crazy is that?" And I go. Fucking nuts, dude. <laughs> fucking nuts. And people people keep coming up to me and like mentioning to me like, hey, did you ever hear about, you know, this? And I'm like, uh, oh, yeah, was, this was Roman Polanski. So I like, yeah, so you know that. And I go, yeah. And I'm like, I'm like, why is that? So I go out on a patio and I Google Roman Polanski house. And it turns out this is the house where the Manson family murders happened. Oh, fuck. The Manson, the Manson family hid out in oh, the woods yeah. outside of this mansion. And they preyed on this. There was like a party going out in the house. And they scaled the walls. They came and murdered everybody. Holy and click Sharon shit. Tate, who was who yep. was pregnant yeah, yeah yeah they they murdered sharon they had the whole manson family murders happened in this house so the guy who's the executive producer of full house gets this mansion for a huge discount i wonder why because of the murders that took place here and then Holy i'm shit, yeah man. yeah i mean weren't you afraid that it might like that it'd be the part two or <laughs> or if you believe in ghosts you know like yeah, what yeah, yeah. There's a lot of people that do too. What what kind of shit is happening here, you know? And that yeah. kind of brings me around to what the whole point of this podcast is. Uh that you do it it started out as 
And I, there's so many angles of this. Um, like on every episode, do you talk about your friend? Is that? Yeah, every episode. And so real quick, every episode, we'll usually read a letter yeah. that okay. he's written. And um, and we read a letter, as you can see, his nice picture that he sent me. He sends good pictures. Oh, <laughs> my God. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I'm surprised they gave it up. Like, yeah, me too. Who lot. knew that you could actually still send photographs? Oh, like... man. And um, and so we'll, we'll usually just read his letter. And so he said something here on this one. I can't remember what it was. But he always start up and kind of jokes about shit. But, yeah, we'll read his letters. And while, while we're reading his letters, we'll just talk about, you know, little comments and shit like that that he does. Um, we and... get a lot of history of where Jose grew up. All the people involved, like he's like, oh yeah, this cat. Shit, I hadn't thought about that cat in a long time. So yeah. back in the day, we were doing this, and then this happened. So we just we just go all over. Go so I want to. There's like so many questions I have, and number one, I guess, is um, have you always been able to look past what he did to put himself in prison? Well, ha- have you had moments where you struggled with what he did? I think at um, I think at first I I, I did for sure. Um, the thing is, is that, I, so you know, he's been convicted and everything like that. I just, and I don't know any other thing, any way, any other way around it. Wow. So I don't, I honestly, like 100% don't know if he did it, but I can't see any other way. You know? Hasn't he told you that he did it? No. Mm-mm. Does he say that he didn't no, do it? He's never talked about it to me once, huh. ever. Is there any reason you should have doubt that he did it? <sighs> well... Growing up with him, um, always one of the nicest guys. Uh, okay. He was always, um, he always was just a, a good dude. Now, he would get in fights, but only when people would basically start him with him, you know. Like, okay. start fights with him. And he was but he a was fighter. a finisher, right? Yeah. Yeah, so he was a fighter, so he would finish him up. But then after that, like the next day, he'd go and apologize. Like, hey, man, I, I didn't, you know, what happened happened. But just so you know, this is... You know, I'm sorry that this happened, whatever, and, and so forth, and then just move on. Um, so that's why it surprises me. But I don't know if there was some type of uh, influence of drugs that was going on because he eventually, he was living with his mom, and then his mom ended up kicking him out. And it was a, a group of four of us that always used to hang out. But when that happened, he ended up hanging out with another group of people that um, we knew and we were still friends with, but... You know, I, I knew sometimes they were in a little bit other shit uh, as far as drugs go. Yeah. So, when yeah. the trial was going on, did, were you aware of the trial going on? I was aware, but I wasn't following it or anything like that. You know, it's crazy. I've had murder uh, in my life, um, and you know, you describe your friend as like a pretty easygoing and chill guy. I remember this one dude that I went to high school with, who was the most chill hippie ish like pot smoking guy he was uh he uh he was very artistic he liked to draw um i would always see him in the the entrance into my high school he he was this kid uh his name was chris uh uh who would uh he would always draw at the sit down um and draw um you'd pass him uh every day at school and and he was a super mellow stoner kid. After high school, um, he ended up uh, 
getting his own place in a in an apartment complex next door to a football player guy that we all knew who I guess was in a a bad relationship and was physically abusive to his girlfriend or wife, whoever it was that he was living with. I don't know if he was married or not. And it really upset Chris and because he could hear them fighting. And uh, and he apparently said to this dude, Matt, um, listen, man, you can't. This isn't cool. And if you if you do this again, if you touch her again, I'm going to kill you. This is what the stoner kid said. This is what the stoner kid said. Oh. And, uh, and it's exactly what he did. He did? Uh, he, yeah, Matt was beating his woman, and Chris came over and shot him and killed him. And Chris went to prison, wow. and, and that isn't even close to the craziest stories I have. Um, there's another girl I knew, Mindy Peters, who was a friend of mine in Tucson, who, um, and I always tell this story to girls, because uh, it's like such an example of like, <clears throat> like you have to... Girls should always have a buddy system like, you know, girls just aren't safe, you know, when they're alone. I agree. So, yeah, um, I so Mindy, uh, God, we were, she was 16. I think I might have been 17. Maybe I was 16 and she was 15. Mindy Peters from Tucson. Uh, I went to high school in, in Tucson. Um, all my formative years were in Tucson. And Mindy... Um, uh, was at a party with a bunch of friends on the other side of Tucson, uh, which uh, Tucson's a small town, but um, in small towns, if you're on the other side of town, that's like being a million miles away. Like everybody is so dramatic about like, oh my God, you're on the other side of town. Like that's so far away. So I'd she, go with it in Tucson because yeah. you could be two miles away and take a half hour to get there. True, true. Because you have to take all surface streets. Oh God, you have to take all terrible. surface streets. Yeah. So she was on the other Like we all were living on the northwest side of town and she was on the east side of town uh, at some party uh, with a bunch of her girlfriends. Her girlfriend's... Uh, you know, they all went to this party, and I guess some guy at this party started uh, creeping on Mindy, and she felt kind of uncomfortable, and it was like, uh, "Leave me alone." She walked away from, him. and then, uh, and then one thing leads to another, where she realizes that her friends just ditched her. Her friends bailed, got in a car, and they left her there, and she's like, "Fuck!" And then uh, that guy comes around, like, "Hey," and he tries, tries to talk to her, and she goes, "Hey." Um, can you give me a ride home? And he goes, yeah, whenever you want, I'll give you a ride home. And she goes, uh, yeah, can you drive me home now? And I live on the northwest side of town. And he goes, sure. So he, he drives her home and and is kind of creepy towards her. But she's like, all right, thanks. And and she, and she he says, hey, can I get your phone number? And she can't think of a fake phone number fast enough. So she just gives him her home phone. Uh, this is obviously way before cell phones. This is, yeah, a, right. this is in the late 80s. Uh, so uh, the guy starts calling her every day, and she tells her mom, like, I'm not home. Just tell him I'm not home. And he calls, like, hey, is Mindy there? And then um, so one night, and this is the problem. The guy knew where she lived. And she lived in a really nice neighborhood. She lived in, a, uh, I guess, more of a, a pretty upscale neighborhood. And the guy said in court that when he broke into the house with his friend, they broke into Mindy's house. They broke into Mindy's house um, with the intention of robbing the house. Okay. And but they broke in with a shotgun and a machete. Oh. And uh, Mindy's mom woke up first and uh, came down the hallway and they shot Mindy's mom. 
and then uh, and then Mindy got up and they shot Mindy so many times that they they uh, were not able to identify her sex uh, when they first found her um, because she was shot so many times. So there's this crazy thing of like, um, you know, it didn't dawn on me that there are. Uh, I mean, of course there is. There are friends of the people who commit these acts. And then you just wonder, like, how do you find forgiveness? Like, there's things that, like, as an adult, um, there are people I've had resentments against in my life. Yeah, yeah. And um, uh, I, I've had moments where I, I like, man, I, I really have a resentment against this person who's close to me who I should love, but that person lied to me about something. And then to to have that question posed to you of, um, well, have you ever lied to somebody? And it's right. like, oh, <laughs> right. fuck. You know, and you have to realize, like, who is anyone to judge anybody else? Yeah, right. Yeah. But when it comes to taking somebody else's life, like, I, I'm just, it's... Um, guess that was when you first told me the story about your friend it's like how do you find it in yourself to forgive somebody and i guess the the immediate answer from you is that you're not 100 percent sure if your friend did it and you just haven't had that discussion with them so right. you don't even discuss the topic no no um never has has never been brought up um i've asked here and there in his letters but it's like it never had like he just doesn't he doesn't say anything um so yeah, so I, I I've never known now everything that I've heard I I really can't think any different but, um, you know it is it is it is hard like it is crazy when when somebody you know has, you know been basically convicted and jailed for that and and I just it's it's just a hard thing for me to understand you know? yeah and I and I and the thing is is that. I know, I know who he was and who he is, or at least who he was at that time, and and so it's hard, like it's hard to judge. So it's easy to judge when you're on one side. It's just hard to judge when you're on the other because you're not, you haven't experienced it in a sense, you know. Yeah. And I and I've experienced, um, you know, not not murder, but death. As far as like one of my best friends, who I got a picture of there right now, um, passed away, and I miss him every day to this day but he got you know he got taken by epilepsy but mm -hmm. um it's just like i could feel the pain i can't imagine if somebody had taken my friend's life away how much hate i would like to say no or resentment i would hold towards that individual and i don't know if i could ever forgive them so if my buddy had ever done it i'm not saying that he doesn't deserve where he's at so no. i mean that that is that's so it should be the case. Yeah. I just, I, and I feel bad for that family and they'll never have that. And so I could never agree to like, Oh yeah, well, you know, he made a mistake, let him go. I mean, yeah, maybe he was 18, but to me, you, you know about killing is wrong from yeah. a very early age. And, yeah. and there's no, there's no if, ands or buts about it. Like it's wrong, you know? So that's kind of why it's hard for me to, to do that. So, I try not to think about that. I just try to think of him as just a human being that unfortunately did something that was absolutely terrible. And, um, and I just still 
want to talk to him and, and just try to at least be there and, for him in some fashion. And I think too to interject real quick, being you know, I have never I've never had What's that? Um, Can we move this? No, that's fine. You good? Yeah. I've never had anybody I know killed and I've never I don't know anybody who's killed anybody. So I don't I don't know either side of it, the pain. I can't even imagine. But knowing uh, Jose and knowing the letters and some of the stories from where he grew up, uh, the one thing you'll learn about Jose is he's the most, most loyal person I've ever met in my life. Yeah. So that loyalty goes forever yeah. unless you burn him, you know. But he, he is loyal to a fault, probably. And then also it's just a buddy from when I, you know, when I was a kid. And, you know, I can't communicate with him any other way. I'm just going to. Keep writing to him. See what is the most? What's the most common in. questions that you? Sorry to interrupt. No, go ahead. What's the most common questions that uh, that you get when they learn this story about your friend? Um. Well, one is, did he do it? Mm. Uh, of course. Uh, I guess the second one is why, mm. and um, and and same thing, kind of like would you ever believe that he would have done something like that? Yeah. You know, but basically your normal is, is what everybody else would kind of ma- immediately ask. And I basically asked that I, I answer him basically the same way is just like, no, I would have never thought, do I know? I don't know a hundred percent. So I can't say, hmm. um, but I do say that if he had, if he did do that, um, he definitely, has to be where he is. I mean, that that's just, you know, that's just the way it's, it has to be. My guess would be that if there was any, uh, I mean, the most reasonable, like in terms of if there's any doubt about it, that he would be uh, complaining about his innocence from the beginning. Like there would be a lot of, um, you know, he, he would be making it loud and clear that, that he was innocent. If that was the case, I would think um, there's uh, it's crazy because one of the reasons why I moved out of Arizona <clears throat> was that um, a friend of mine, um, uh, Diana Vicari, was also murdered. And that uh, incident uh, was so heavy. She um, uh, her arms were found in a dumpster in uh, downtown Tucson, and they still, to this day, haven't found her body. Uh, but Jeez. but the reason why they were able to identify her is that um, uh, they have a program in schools, uh, in a lot of elementary schools, where they say you can get your kids fingerprinted. It's <laughs> it's that to us. yeah, like it's <laughs> not like it's for, yeah, it's but they say it's for your you know it's for your you know your kid's safety. So right. if anything happened, right. you know it's like you know we can. It'll be it's helpful to and they that's absolutely what they did with Diana is they were able to to get the fingerprints from her her hands to determine uh, that it was her. And um, um, and it's weird because uh, there was a, a period of time where it was like, who did this? Her, and she was a friend of mine. Another friend of mine was actually kind of messing around with her at the time. So he was the number one suspect because right. yeah, they always sure. say it's somebody close to always, you. Yeah. Yep. And she had written his name like on everything with hearts around it and stuff. So, you know, they were like, all right, let's talk to this guy. <laughs> and, um, and there's a lot of circumstances around um, somebody in this town did something horrible 
to someone I know. And, um, man, that was a mind fuck. That was like, a the repercussions psychologically on all of us was crazy. A close friend of mine, Amy, um, uh, had her own house. She owned a, a townhouse and all of us, uh, a bunch of us that were close to Diana would just uh, stay at Amy's and, and it was therapeutic to like hang out with everybody and kind of talk and, and kind of get through the whole thing. But the biggest question was like, who could have possibly, and then you start looking at people in your life, like, wait a minute. Remember that one night when that guy said this? Yeah. Do you think? Yeah. And we, we all started, we all started like slowly losing. And I was telling this to Jose last night. I didn't really go into details. I said, right. I've had people in my life who've been murdered. And, and, uh, the, the thing, that incident with Diana was so much of a mind fuck that, I didn't realize I had a sense of safety. Like we all have a natural uh, feeling of safety in our lives. You don't know that you have that until it's taken away from you. Mm-hmm. And when it's taken away from you, it's it's like I I started getting really paranoid um, late at night uh, when I would go out. If if a if a car started slowing down next to me, I would start walking away like. Wow. Like, you know, because I, in, in my mind, I had like a mind's eye that I felt like I could see the window rolling down and somebody pulling something out to like either shoot me with or stab me with. Um, you start losing trust in everybody. Uh, you start getting really paranoid. There's a killer out there somewhere. And, uh, and uh, they found a guy, uh, I think it was like within a year or so, they... Um, there was a guy who was uh, institutionalized at the time in Utah. They connected to her murder. And uh, he ended up on death row, but I think he's off death row. And there was some some things that didn't fit, apparently. Like, there's a lot of people who say that they're not satisfied with the the conclusion of the detectives. They feel like the real killer is still out there. And, and, uh, and that really fucked me up. Um, it's it's like uh it's just a topic that is so um uh heavy to me because I've I've been through I've experienced it with people and I and then around the time that Diana got murdered I, I remember uh uh random night totally random you know I was um I went to a house party on the southwest side of Tucson and met some dude who I hit it off with. It's like sometimes you meet people in life, you're just like, you just instantly, like two strangers, like really click. And uh, this the cop showed up and broke up this party. They're like, oh, well, let's let's go somewhere else. Where are we going? I don't know. We're going to go here. Maybe we'll go. Look, just at the end of the road, let's meet at the Circle K. So we all met at a Circle K uh, down the road from where this house party was. And we all like, what do you want to do? Where do you want to go? I don't know. We're going to go here. And I said, you know what? There's a party on this side of town. And this dude who I just met that I hit it off with was like, dude, I'm going to the east side. And, and I go, I'm not going to the east side. And he's like, oh, dude, I'm telling you this party's going to be awesome. And I go, I got no, dude, you come to our side of town. And he's like, no, dude, the east side. And we both just agreed to disagree. Mm-hmm. You go to the east side. I'm going to go to my side of town. <laughs> I'll see you later. <laughs> we nice took off. Bro. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, the next day on the news, w- there was a story about a guy who was beat to death at a Circle K. 
And it was that guy. The guy that you were met up with? After we left. After we left, that guy is still hanging out the Circle K. Some kids are like, you know, what the fuck are you looking at? And he's like, I'm not looking at you. He's like, what the fuck are you looking at? And they started to fight with him. And these dudes just jumped him and beat him to death in front of the Circle K after we left. Oh, wow. So, <clears throat> yeah. Shit. So, it was, uh, uh, so, um, so murder has been around me. Yeah, and right. so, yeah. as soon as Heavy. you, so as soon as you told me the story, it's like, holy shit, like, um, I've never met anybody who's been on that side of the fence that you're on. So, I was just so curious about, um, and my guess is from everything you've told me that the tone of this uh, podcast is a lot lighter than we're doing right now. <laughs> well, you know, that is, just a little bit. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, uh, so it's funny because I didn't want to, and I just said, "Man, I have so much I want to say to you, but I want to save it for for the, yeah. you know, because I'm a radio guy, and you always know, like, dude, save it for the air, save it for yeah. the air." And yeah. I didn't want to like sit there backstage at a system of a down show telling you a bunch of heavy shit and then saying, all right, you ready to watch this moving down? Yeah, now? Let's do it. So how'd you like the show? Yeah. Like, well, everyone I know has been murdered. You ready to go? Yeah. Hey, you like chop suey, right? Let's hurry up. It's a fifth. It's a fifth song. You're going to love it. I'll, I'll put you on stage. Let's go. Yeah. I told, uh, Jose, uh, animated a comedy piece that I did and I told him, um, you know, as a thank you, I said, um, I said, are you, a, I'm going to, I'm going to come back to Arizona. I got a, I'm hosting a charity event when I come back to Arizona. So the week that I'm going to be there, um, I have a couple friends that are performing that week. Are you a fan of System of a Down or Anthrax by chance? And he's like, dude, I love System of a Down. And I was like, oh, all right. Well, uh, those guys are uh, really nice to me. They're a couple guys are, I consider them good friends and, um, and they've always been really supportive of me. I've, I've done stand up opening for System of a Down. So uh, I'll take you to the show. And he was like, are you serious? And I was like, yeah, man. And, and then over the last few weeks, I, I would check in with Jose and go, hey, by the way, I, you know, I texted uh, my buddy from System of Down and, and um, you know, and uh, we'll be there. And he's like, okay, whatever. <laughs> I always had this feeling like, like there was a part of Jose. It's like, oh, okay, dude, you, you say you're friends with everybody. <laughs> yeah. And then last night uh, I said, hey, man, meet me at, uh, at this place. I walked him in and... Um, Walked him in the dressing rooms, and then uh, and then we hung out, you know. So uh, and then watched the show, awesome. and and um, and then uh, hung out a little more after the show. And yeah. and uh, by the way, there's a really funny move that happened. I, I meant to bring this up to you. Um, one of the guys in the band, John, um, were walking out of the arena because John is like, "Let's go somewhere and just hang out. Like, I want to go to like a bar. Is there like do they have bars in downtown Phoenix?" And <laughs> A buddy of ours from KUPD, Mark Randall, said, uh, he said, you know what? Take take him to Copper Blues, yeah. which is next yep. door to a comedy club I performed at before called Stand Up Live. And I was like, all right, let's go to Copper Blues. And uh, so we start walking out. And John turns around and looks at all of us and says, uh, all right, listen, if anybody looks at me, just keep walking. It's like, all right. He goes, don't, don't draw attention to us. So we walk outside and... Uh, Somebody tries to sell John a counterfeit T-shirt uh, <laughs> from System of a Down, and he goes, "Nah, man, it's okay." And the guy goes, "You don't want a T-shirt, man? You need some T-shirts. It's cheap, ten dollars, man, just ten dollars." And one of the guys in our group goes, 
that's the guy from System of a Down. And it's like, he just said, (laughs) just act cool, don't like, you know. And he, and like you, yeah. you know this is just like you know, that is the funniest fucking thing. That's the guy from System of a Down. Not only a, am I going to help the people that are heckling you, I'm going to get new people that yeah. don't even know who you are. Yeah, and they're going to heckle you too. I remember going to a, I took a, a friend of mine who's this is terrible name dropping, but a friend of mine is the guitar player for Pearl Jam. He he actually makes an appearance on my comedy special, Mike McCready, and I took Mike to. Um, to a Roger Waters show uh, on the Wall Tour, we went to go see the show in Anaheim, nice. and and I was telling Mike, I was like, dude, this I'm telling you, this is gonna be the greatest show you've ever seen. Like, I, I don't want to ruin it, but just you, you gotta go. And he's like, okay, okay. So I, I brought him and his wife to the concert, and uh, before the show, I bring him backstage, and and I go, uh, um, hey, by the way, this is my friend Mike, uh, and this is his wife Ashley. Hey, Mike. Hey, Ashley. And I'm like, yeah. And I go, did you guys meet my friend Mike? This this is Mike. This is Ashley. And then we walk out to our seats and I go, um, I go, Mike, I wasn't even sure if you wanted me to tell people who you are. Like, I don't know if you want to be bothered. And he goes, well, I, I don't mind. I mean, you can, you know. And then his wife, Ashley, goes, Craig, he loves that shit. I, <laughs> I go, really? And she goes, yeah. And I go, he does? She goes, yeah. And I go, oh, my God. So Roger Waters does a show for an hour intermission and another hour and a half. So intermission, we go backstage again. Except this time I go, hey, Pearl Jam's here. Did you guys meet Pearl Jam? This this, this is Pearl Jam. Did you meet Pearl Jam? Come over here and say hi to Pearl Jam. This is Mike. This is Pearl Jam right here. This guy is Pearl Jam. This is Pearl Jam. And then he's like, hey, what's going on? I go, did you guys know Pearl Jam's here? Hey, everybody get in the room. Get in the room. Say hello to Pearl Jam. And um, I'm introducing everybody that time. Like, but uh, but yeah, John was the complete and, opposite. John. Yeah. Well, I think I can understand what John was saying though, because that that's a different scene. John's saying like, this could get weird if we're walking and then one person, uh, like a magnet, sticks to me, draws in another person and another person, and then other people turn around like, what's going on over there? <gasps> that's the guy, and then yeah, it becomes a big, yeah. and then it could it could become like a moving meet and greet that that gets more and more. Like I understand what he was saying, right, but, right. And by the way, I am the complete opposite. If anybody recognizes me from anything, I will talk to you <laughs> until, and I've done this before. I will talk to a guy who's a fan of mine until they get to the point where they go. They're not a fan anymore. Okay, man. Listen, I gotta go, and I'll be like, dude, I fucking, I thought you wanted to hang out with me. He's like, yeah, but I got some place to be, and I go, I'll go with you. Like, no, nah, man, it's cool. Like, yeah, I've, I've. I'm actually going to my parent-teacher yeah. conferences. Yeah, I, I fucking love parent-teacher conferences. Oh man, I haven't been to parent-teacher conferences. Where's your fucking kid? Let's do this. It's like, yeah, I remember one time in my, I got an apartment in, uh, in Woodland Hills. I had just moved in, and I remember walking outside my front door. And I was locking my door up, and this guy is walking down the hall, and he goes, "Craig Gas, what are you doing here?" And I go, "I fucking live here, dude. What's up?" And I, I threw the door open. The girl, my girlfriend that I was living with at the time, I threw the door open. And I go, "Babe, get out of here. This guy knows who I am. Get over here. Talk to this guy." And and I'm telling the guy, I go, "Dude, yeah, I live right here. I live." And then I remember after that exchange, and he went home, and I went back to my place. So I was like. 
why did I say that? Like, if you look at my <laughs> social like media, fan. <laughs> like, if you look at my social media, you can see I'm on the road all the time, and I'm like, yeah. dude, this place is empty three oh, weeks God. out of the month. I'm in Tampa. Yeah. And the guy's going, oh, you need a TV? <laughs> Get inside this bitch right here. Grab oh, yourself a you're TV. Just fucking, uh, you're just going to put up a goddamn fucking neon. It's like, Craig Guest <laughs> lives here. here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's fucking. Signed home, not home. Yeah, switch that. I'm leaving. Uh, it was, it was fucking. It's fucking. It can be really, really embarrassing, but, uh, but I've been known to do it. Uh, well, you see that that energy too. Like I was watching some of the video stuff backstage. Like, you know, if there's people and they want to hear, you'll just start talking to them, and you're always on. Just you know. I got a new story. I got something to tell you. I haven't seen you for a while. And everybody just kind of sits down like, all right. Those pills. He's yeah, I, I <laughs> love telling a good story. I love hearing a good story. So it's like, you know, and John knows that. We were in a social situation last night where John, the uh, drummer for System of Down, was, um, he, <laughs> John uh, had, um, he had us hanging out in his dressing room and he had some people there mm-hmm. that he had done a charity thing with. I don't know what the charity was, but he raised some money for. Uh, it was um, one of those those two dudes down yeah. there. It was their friend that had passed away from I forgot what disease it was. Right, and that was the charity that John wanted to raise money for. Correct. And so these guys were like, well, "We did it for our friend," and uh, yeah. and basically John said, "You know, highest bidder can hang out with me for a day." Mm-hmm. And um, so these guys uh, they made the highest bid, and John had lunch with them. And then brought him to the show, and John's got this look on his face of like, um, yeah, so this is my dressing room. And he's like, Craig, here, you. He goes, Craig's a professional comedian. You tell them some jokes. And I'm like, and I go, all right. And then it got off to a slow start where I go, where are you guys from? And they go, oh, I'm from Ohio. I'm from Indiana. I'm from blah, blah, blah. And I go, oh, okay. And then I look across the room, and John's looking at me with like the, come on, keep rolling finger. He go like, come on, jokes. Start. He's you. like, you start getting. Was he filming me? Yeah. yeah, that motherfucker. He did the same thing the night before. We were hanging out in Chavo's hotel room, and John brought up this terrible story about how I bombed one night on stage. And it's a long story, but I bombed. And this is more name dropping. I bombed in front of Roger Waters and his entire band and road crew. And Shavo and John were my guests in this private party, and they watched me eat it. Like it was, it was so funny because because John is the is kind of like the best and worst guy that you want to bomb in front of. Um, I think we really love each other. Uh, I think there's a, a tremendous amount of mutual admiration that we have for each other. But John is a ball buster um and he will not let that shit go and and um so he brings it up like the night before the concert and he starts filming me like i notice he kind of like has his camera up and i go i can do you're fucking filming me and he goes what like <laughs> you're fucking filming me. And he goes no man and, and then uh and i and he goes no keep talking what were you saying now, now what happened at the end when you <laughs> When Roger Waters said, you, you're a piece of shit. And I go, oh, man. And I go, this is what happened. And I tell this story. And I know I'm being filmed. 
And he goes, yeah, he goes, look, I filmed you. I'm going to I'm gonna post this right now. And even Shavo was like, dude, I'm standing here with a fucking bong and a bunch of weed. You can't like, and he goes, oh, man. He goes, dude, you you have your own weed company. He goes, yeah, but I'm like, I'm slouching on the couch. Like, I'm, I look like a, I look like a stoner over here. Like, don't fucking post that. And he goes, no, he goes, no, dude, don't post it. And I go, I go, John, I go, tomorrow night when we get to the arena, I'll tell you the story and we'll, we'll do it on film and. And he didn't care. He, he didn't posted it. It's on his Instagram right now. You can see Shavo slouching on his on the couch. I want to put on a clean shirt. Yeah, man. yeah. You get self conscious about shit like that. He, will, but. he is. He's he's a fucking ball buster for sure. But that's why. But yesterday when we were talking, that's why I said. I said. I think he just. But I think he's your fucking one of your biggest fans though, at the same yeah. time. And he put it. He put it very well when he said, "Well, other comedians want to encourage you. He goes, I just want to make you." Be the best that you can. Be. Yes, yeah, and, and I think I think he actually he's honest about that. It's such a fucking true point. Yeah, there was, and we brought this up last night. There was one night where um, Oz I, Ozfest was in New York with a day off, and a bunch of the bands on Ozfest, um, I invited them to come watch me at a comedy club. So in the audience were sprinkled with uh, musicians from all these big angry rock bands. And for some reason, I didn't eat it as hard as I did in front of Roger Waters, but I had a bad set. Like, it was like a couple things popped, but a few things didn't. And overall, it was just, it was not my best. It was not what it should have been, for sure, by a long shot. I get off stage, and I start walking up to all my musician buddies, and I'm like, hey, sorry about that, man. And everyone was looking me in the face going, no, man, that was great. And I was like... And I know it wasn't. So you're you're being dishonest with me. Like you and I and people I'm walking by, hey man, sorry about that. And people are like, no, dude, that was great. Like guys from Disturbed are there, Rob Zombie's band. No, you were great. And I'm like, uh and I walk up to John Domayan, who's at one corner of the room, and I, and uh Shavo gives me a hug and I go, Hey John, sorry about that. John stands up and he goes, Dude, come here. You know why you sucked? I'll tell you why. And <laughs> And and I gotta say, like I I, I was kind of jarred by. Yeah, like, Do you know why you suck? Where's my support? And but the next words out of his mouth were spot on. He goes, "When you walked on stage, you started out too cocky. You started doing this. You start. I don't know why, but I'm doing a Shavo impression right now. I'm not even doing a John impression. I'm doing a Shavo impression. He goes, bro, when you first walked up on stage, he goes, you you started out really cocky. Uh, you did this wrong. You did this wrong." Everything he said was exactly what I was reviewing in my head as I'm walking off <laughs> stage. And, and and John nailed it. He absolutely nailed it. And because of that, there are moments where um, I, like when I do a roast, I can't rehearse a roast. Mm. I can't go to a comedy club and try the material out because it's like, you know, if I'm going to do a roast to Jose, I can't. <laughs> Go on stage at a comedy club and go, hey, this weekend I'm I'm roasting a friend of mine, and uh, let's pretend like he's here. Basically, this is a couple of things you need to know about Jose, and then I gotta describe. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna describe Jose, and then I'm gonna do the jokes. Like it just it doesn't work. You can't like the only the only way it works is in that room with Jose's friends, with Jose's family, and everybody who knows him, and then all my jokes. We all know Jose. Boom, 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 boom. There's, you know, so, but with John uh, Domayan, I'll call him up and go, hey, dude, I'm going to do this roast and I, I want to, I want to try these jokes. Uh, and he's like, all right, let's hear it. And I'll, I'll read them to him. And he'll, when he laughs, it's the best laugh. And there are moments when he goes, 
I would cut that. Like, he, and he's just being honest. Mm -hmm. He, he'll, yeah. and I really appreciate his honesty. Uh, in comedy, um, you know, th that's the crazy thing about comedy, and that's why a lot of people don't want to do comedy is because. Um, you get a very honest reaction from people. It's terrifying. Uh, yeah, you're either, I mean, even famous people. Like, a famous person will come into a comedy club, and people will be like, holy shit! And then after a couple, like, couple minutes of holy shit, it's like, yeah. all right, now, what else you got? Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, like, I, I mean... this guy, he's famous, he's gonna be good, and then... Yeah. That's pretty good, that's pretty good. And, and, like, and I always, okay, like, uh, there's some guys I know, like, like, Chris Rock will always say... Um, when he pops into a comedy club to try new material, he always has the same line. He'll go, uh, he'll be like, all right, all right, uh, lower your expectations. Mm -hmm. And then he'll say, uh, what's the cover here tonight? And I go, $10. He goes, okay, this is going to be a $10 set. <laughs> and he'll, he'll say, you know, this is going to be about a $10 set. So lower your, and that's a great line. It's a great way to let people know, like, hey, man, don't have any expectations. I'm just going to fuck yeah, around. I'm not and, filming a special today. I'm working yeah, on and it's yeah. crazy because I've seen Chris do really brand new shit that just doesn't... It's crazy to think, wow, how is this going to become something? Yeah. Because yeah. you can't see it. And he tries it, and he tries it, and he tries it. And that's... That's the great thing about comedy. It's like you tighten it up and tighten it up. And um, uh, this is unrelated, but I remember Chris Rock doing a joke once and I was like, God damn, that is a brilliant joke. Uh, and there's no way he's, he can do this. He was he kept coming in every night in Hollywood to all the clubs to work on his Oscars material. He's hosting the Oscars. Mm -hmm. And he said, uh, God, I'm going to try to remember this. The punchline is amazing uh so the joke was uh, i am rooting for people tonight at the oscars whose lives are going to get better that's what i want i want to see people whose lives are going to get better from this um that's why i'm rooting for guys like and what was the guy's name um he played uh on the Private Parts movie, he played... Uh, oh, Pig Vomit? Pig Vomit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He played Pig Vomit. Uh, Great actor. Yeah, yeah. Um, I forget his name. I thought it was Paul or something. Yes, Paul... Um, oh, shit. It's not Paul Giovanni, is it? Uh, Paul Giamatti. Paul Giamatti. And uh, he goes, I'm rooting for Paul Giamatti. Because Paul Giamatti, if he wins an Oscar tonight, his life is going to get better. This is why I'm not rooting for Leonardo DiCaprio tonight. <laughs> he's like, he's like, how? Because if Leonardo DiCaprio wins an Oscar tonight, is he gonna get even richer? Like, is he gonna start getting even more pussy? Like, is there? Or no? He said, is he gonna get even more bitches? Was the line he yeah. said? And then he said, are there any bitches that? Leonardo DiCaprio hasn't had like like if he wins the Oscar tonight are they gonna say Leo we got a couple bitches we've been saving for Jesus <laughs> <laughs> that was the greatest line we got a couple bitches we've been saving and I remember I remember hearing that line and going how the fuck are you gonna do that on yeah, TV yeah, yeah. we got a couple bitches we've been saving for Jesus we're gonna let you have a couple of them Holy like shit. that was the craziest we got a couple bitches you didn't say for Jesus and that's the craziest thing to me is like as someone who loves stand up comedy 
Like I've been doing it for 25 years. I've been making a living at it for 18 years. I've been paying my mom's bills for 18 years. That's fucking awesome. And, that is awesome. And to be able to um, watch the greatest comedians in the world for free is insane to me. Like I, I'm just such a fan. I'm such a fan of uh, of uh, Chappelle and Chris Rock and David Tell and and um it's uh the biggest thing that separates me from most people is the fact that i just tried i just and it's amazing to me that people don't try like i know so many people in my life who are uh doing everything like as a musician who became rock stars as comedians who became rock star comedians um and then i know people who like all right you know what um i just want to be around it so they're tour managers, they're guitar techs, they're they're comedy writers, they're um, animators. Yeah. Did I tell you that story about my buddy Gavin? No. I think I told you. Yeah, I, I'm almost positive to this story. Oh, you talking about the this guy? The guy, the guy, the guy, the guy called me up one day. Yeah. This guy contacted me um, online and said, uh, "Hey, uh, my name is Gavin, and uh, uh, I'm an animator, and I, I want to know if you would be interested in doing this part on this." on this uh this cartoon that i did and i think you're perfect for it and i was like and i read it and i was like wow it's pretty funny and he goes yeah man and and he's willing to pay me like like scale um uh and i was like all right yeah yeah and i was coming to the bay area soon and he said all right you know so i'll, I'll record you when you come here to do your shows and i was like all right cool and he's like, yeah, we'll just just come to my apartment and we'll do it there. And I was like, your apartment? And, he goes, <laughs> and but he sent me the money. He sent me the money, and I was like, fuck. All right, he sent me money, but now I'm going to this guy's apartment. Like, and but he sent me pictures. Like he had another. He had an actress from Rocky and Bullwinkle come to the apartment. And oh, he's shit. like, yeah, I've had this girl come over. I've had. And I'm like, oh man, okay. And I'm like, this is weird. All right, but but I did get paid up front, but I might get raped. Like I don't know. Like <laughs> I don't know. Like right. Thing. So I go, yeah. So I go to this guy's apartment, and we record, and it's fun, and and we click. We you know creatively we clicked, and then uh, romantically. No, I. Uh, uh, no. So more yeah, 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 yeah. So uh, but we clicked, and then uh, and I was like, all right, and that turned into a good experience. And him and I stayed in touch. And Gavin, uh, over the years, got a, uh, some jobs working on some bigger and bigger shows. Um, he ended up on uh, working on a, on a cartoon that um, some buddies of mine produced for Comedy Central. And, and then uh, he is now the storyboard artist for The Simpsons. That's um, crazy. And awesome. yeah, and I remember he, uh, he messaged me and said, hey, I heard you're doing this show. Uh, a buddy of mine, this guy Woody, who's got a big morning show in L.A. now on the alternative station in L.A. He goes, hey, Woody's in my building. I, I work for The Simpsons now. Do you want to come and visit my work at The Simpsons? And I was like, oh, my God, I'd love yeah. to visit oh, you at The Simpsons. Yeah. So, but it's only one building. I think there's three buildings for The Simpsons. Like he's in the... One of the animated buildings. Um, there's another animated building, and then there's like a there's a the actual production where they record the voiceover yeah. uh, building, which I think is at Fox. So it's um, uh, the fact that um, uh, I I know so many people who are pursuing their dreams and living their dreams, whether it's uh, 
hey man, I, I think I can be on stage or hey man, I love this so much I want to be close to it. Uh, and they're all doing it. They're all doing it on some level. And I see guys breaking out in like in all different capacities of entertainment. And um, and it's crazy. It's crazy how you just got to fucking try. And um, the friends of mine who sit on the sidelines and go, man, I can't believe all this happened. And I go, neither can I. But I all I did was just head towards it. Right. right I just right. I was like, I kept heading and it. I don't know what the path is. There is no path. It's consistency. You, it's consistency. It's you have is. to you have to head towards a path and you just, and then you just end up doing it. I knew a guy in high school who was the most talented fucking guitarist on planet Earth, man. I I couldn't believe this dude. When I was like 15, 16, he was my age. And he's 16. He plays guitar like... Um, I would just go like, dude, I go, can you play... Um, can you play one of my favorite songs? And he'd be like, oh yeah. And he'd start playing it. And I'd be like, holy shit, it'd be spot on. And i go, can you play this? And he'd go, I don't know if I know that song. And I'd go, you know, it's like... Dun, 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 dun. And he goes, well, do you have a tape? And I'd, I'd play him the tape and he'd listen and he'd go, oh yeah, like this, like this. And he'd start, he'd figure everything out within like a few minutes. And he was just, he was brilliant. And I remember going, dude, you, you got to get the fuck out of Tucson and you, you got to go to Hollywood. You got to go to Hollywood. And this kid said to me, I was 16 years old. He's 16. He said, he goes, man, he goes, nobody makes it. And I was like, what? And he, and he was like, yeah, nobody He's like, it's a one in a billion shot. It's like, you can't really make it in Hollywood. And I was like, but what about the people who yes, make it? And he, goes, <laughs> and he goes, yeah, he goes, it's a one in a billion shot. It's like the odds of actually doing that are so slim. But, and I remember just thinking like, <laughs> I remember having the wherewithal to think like, this is like some kind of adult thing you're saying to me. Like, <laughs> like only adults say dumb shit so like this. Like supportive parents. Yeah. That's what you're saying. Could've Dude, been. you <laughs> fucking nailed it. I yeah. met his parents. Oh, and his parents were the assholes that were telling him get a job, uh, do something reliable. Mm -hmm. Don't don't fuck around with your life. Right. Don't don't have fun. Don't chase your pipe dreams. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like just That's listen. A hobby. Yeah, happiness is making a regular paycheck. Yep. Working for the man. <laughs> it's it was mind blowing how and this guy. Ended up in the military, uh, and there's nothing wrong with that. He ended up in the military, but he did it because of the reliability of the check. Mm -hmm. Married the first girl he had sex with. Oh, who he wasn't. The, uh, there's a whole story behind that. He married the first girl he had sex with, and he just he did he played life so safe. <sighs> Fast forward, what was that? He got married when I was 20. Fast forward to 2001. I'm 31 years old. I'm now on the Howard Stern show. Oh. And um, and uh, I'm getting emails. My favorite emails were the ones that the subject said, are you the same Craig Gass from Tucson? Or, um, <laughs> like, oh, this is going to be a good one. <laughs> or amphitheater high school question mark or... Like, I would always love clicking on that, like, oh, who is this? Like, I, I just, I had such fond memories of growing up in Arizona that mm -hmm. that I, I, I loved reconnecting with old friends. Um, even if they weren't close to me, like, I remember you. Oh, my God, dude, what whatever became, like, I just loved, yeah. I love connecting to 
my childhood and and saying like, hey man, how is so and so? And how like I just love like you know. It's good to revisit that. It's like that time machine almost. Yeah, it's yeah. Like it brings you yeah. back immediately. And I had fun times growing up in Arizona, man. I mean, I'm originally from New York, but all my formative years were here in Tucson. So I get an email, and uh, it says old friend from Tucson. I click on it, and uh, and the email said, holy shit, I'm sitting here at my desk here in San Diego and I'm listening to Howard Stern say Craig Gass is the funniest motherfucker I've ever heard in my Holy life shit. and I'm just going wow I can't believe it and you know what you were right I should have chased my dreams and oh. I, I looked at the bottom and it was oh, my buddy fuck. That's heavy. And I went, holy shit. And his, and the, the name was like Lieutenant blah, blah, oh, blah. Oh, shit. Like, really? And I was like, holy fuck. He had worked his way all the way up through the military. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, my God. And uh, But he's looking at me going, Jesus, dude. You made it. You went after something with no backup plan and just fucking landed on it. And oh. <laughs> And you know what? I didn't even land on... I never even got fame and fortune. I got a little bit of notoriety and a few bucks. But uh, I am unbelievably grateful yeah. because uh, I'm aware of how lucky I am. You know, I'm not working somebody. I'm not part of somebody else's dreams. Absolutely. You're, you're, not, you're not making, you're not helping somebody else's dreams come true. Yeah. You're yeah. grinding out a living doing what you want to do. That's, yeah. And that's, that's it. Yeah. That's, that's, that's the way it used to be. You know, people used to, there were... Eighty percent of the people were entrepreneurs. You know, that guy makes the shoes, that guy does this, and everybody worked for themselves. Yeah, and they all did something for the community. Yeah. Now you go work for somebody else. You know, eighty percent of the people work for somebody else, like a corporation and all that shit. Yeah, and I always tell Baden, like your body said, okay, it's just one in a billion chance. Well, Baden and I always talk about you know things like that. But the one thing I always say to people is like. The only 100% chance that you got is if you don't fucking try, that's a 100% chance that you won't you make, it. make it. Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, that's just, it's just normal that way. Yeah. So, I got to be honest. There are things that happen in my life that I actually, I could not wrap my brain around how the fuck did I get here? And the only answer that <laughs> I had, about it. don't think about it. The only answer that I had is like, well, this is where I headed towards. So eventually, it was a it was a possibility that this was going to happen. <laughs> like my, fir- I remember getting a like my first acting gig was Sex in the City, and then they shut down production because Sarah Jessica Parker got pregnant. So I had to wait a few weeks f- before we started filming, and then I picked up another job on Law and Order. So Law and Order oh, ended shit. up Law and Order ended up being my first acting experience, mm. um, and uh, and it was a funny story too because when I went into audition. Um, they had me come in and read for the part of a um, of a uh, bartender, and the only description of the bartender was um, "hella cool guy." <laughs> and yeah, and I remember, uh, I remember like picking up the uh, the script and, and like I read it, and then they had me come in and read for the producers, and they said, uh, "All right, uh, next up we have." Uh, Craig Gass, and uh, I walked in the room, and I go, hey, guys, what's going on? And they go, how you doing, Craig? And I go, doing good. Um, can I just say something real quick before we get started? That's okay. Um, hella cool guy. That's me. And they go, <laughs> they go, all right. Well, why don't you read, and we'll decide that uh, on our own. And I go, all right. So I start reading the script, 
and I'm reading with somebody else who's reading the other parts, and I'm bouncing off of this girl, and then uh, and then I get done, and I look around the room, and they're all staring at me, and then someone goes, "Craig, I'm I'm gonna throw a curveball at you. Um, can you go back outside into the waiting room and grab a script? There's a there's another script outside that has a character name." Uh, Mark Grandy and I was like Mark Grandy and two other guys in the room said I was just thinking the same thing Holy and he goes shit. I go yeah and they go yeah get Mark Grandy and I, I'm looking at my script and I go so, so you're not hella I go cool hella cool guy is not and they go no grab Mark Grandy <laughs> I go alright so I walk out in the, in the lobby and I grab the script Mark Grandy character description Drunk asshole. And I was like, drunk asshole? And I was like, what the? And then I heard the guys back in the in the room go, Craig, come back. And I go, I haven't read the material yet. And they go, it doesn't matter. And I go, I go, it doesn't matter. I walk back in the room and I read it cold off the script. Like, this is my first time I'm reading it. I'm reading it cold in front of them. And they said, you got the job. And I was like... I am that much of a drunk asshole looking guy that. Were you, already, were you already clean by then? No, I was drinking a lot. Oh, you were? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was drinking a lot. So I, I never, in fact. So you were method acting. Yes. In fact, I got cast in a vodka commercial. I think it was a Bacardi. Was it Bacardi? I think it was a Bacardi commercial where I was a drunk asshole in a TV commercial. Like I started, I started hitting all these yeah, drunk asshole yeah. gigs. Typecast. Yeah, yeah. Nice. But I remember, so, um, so here I am, like all these years earlier, thinking like, man, I want to be in this business. I want to be in this business. And I just, I got the blinders on. I start in Seattle, and then it's like, oh, I got a little bit of an in with the Howard Stern show. I'm gonna move to New York to be closer to Howard, and then I move in with another comedian friend of mine. Uh, Mitch Hedberg. I, I moved in with oh, Mitch, yeah. and, oh, yeah. and and I started writing for Howard. Started writing for Weekend Update, and I start working my way up. And now here I am. I'm at. I'm on the set of. Uh, well, when I say on the set, we're filming on the streets. Uh, we're filming on 11th Avenue and 57th Street. My first scene is I'm going to be with um, the guy from Dirty Dancing, uh, Jerry Orbach. Oh shit! Yeah, and I remember I go. They go, hey, uh, have you met Jerry? And I go, nobody puts baby in a corner. <laughs> And someone said, yeah, don't, don't say that. I say. And I go, nobody puts baby in a corner. And I say it again. So, uh, so they go, they go, hey, uh, they go, hey guys, um, Craig, um, you mind if we just rehearse this real quick with, uh, with Jerry out here on the street? And I go, oh, okay. So, and then uh, the director goes, shh, everybody shut up. And everybody's like, and then Jerry and I read to each other and, and I was, and I'm doing my part. He's doing his part. It's like, all right, I think we're good. All right, we're going to go. So, Craig, listen, we're going to start from this garage. We're going to start from here. Jerry's going to start talking to you, and we're going to be out here. So come out of the garage, and we're going to follow you out to this car lot. I'm a used car salesman, like drunk asshole to the yeah. bone. And uh, so they go, all right, so you're going to be up here, and then we're going to do this, and uh, we're ready to go. All right, we ready? Ready. Okay, roll on tape, roll on tape. Quiet on the set, and action. And I went. So they're just gonna put us on TV now? <laughs> Cut! And I was like, and I, <laughs> because I remember thinking like, fucking, that's it? That's it? You're gonna put me on NBC? Like this makes no sense. You wanna hear something crazy? When I got on the set of Sex in the City, when I got on the set of Sex in the City, they, um, I remember being paranoid all the way until the episode was released that HBO was going to interrupt my filming 
or interrupt the release of my appearance on Sex in the City when somebody at HBO was probably going to find out that I owed money to HBO. I, I hadn't... <laughs> I hadn't paid my my HBO bill. Like I, I stopped paying it years ago. My HBO got turned off, and I thought that HBO was gonna find out and walk on the set and go, "Put your clothes on, motherfucker! Where's our thirty dollars?" Like, what a great skit for that shit. Yeah, I real, I honestly thought sweating the whole time. Yeah, man, I remember thinking like, and I, I remember. <laughs> I remember thinking like, oh man, this is like, this feels so good. Like everything we're doing is so much fun, but oh my God, this might not ever see the light of day because HBO's going to stop this, you know? Because I owe 30 bucks. Because I owe 30 bucks. a little fucking deduction. Like it was, it was a legit, it was a legit fear that, that HBO was going to find out that I had somehow worked my way onto an HBO show oh, and that... Like don't How let did that this guy, guy get through the cracks. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I really Sign had this a, guy up. I really had a fear of that. But uh all right, I know we're already at an hour here, but uh I don't know how you want to wrap this up, but um but goddamn, we covered it all. Murder, pain, meaning uh, <laughs> um, comedy. Yeah. I, I, comedy. I was gonna ask you just because I'm a big King of Queens fan. How was it working with like uh, Kevin James and and all of them, dude? Kevin was great. There's a guy. Um, there was a crazy thing that happened behind the scenes where um, this is a real Hollywood story. Um, I was working with an agent. I had an agency that it, that I wasn't happy with, and so we went our separate ways. And a guy who let I'm probably going to give too many details that this guy can easily be identified. So. <laughs> I gotta be careful, but um, so so this guy, I ended up working with this agent who he, I told him, I said, listen, I want to work with you if you can do this for me. I need someone who can get me dramatic roles. I have a real easy time getting dramatic roles. Okay. Um, I have a real easy time. Uh, I, just my batting average is really good getting dramatic roles. And um, so I don't want to be typecast as a funny guy. Mm. Uh, I want to be able to do, I want to do like serious shit, creepy shit. Creepy shit would be great. And um, I did play a really creepy character on a TV show called Las Vegas with uh, Alec Baldwin and James Caan. And, and um, so this agent never got that, what I asked for. And mm. the only thing he sent me out, I remember the... He sent me out for one audition, and it was for Scary Movie Four, oh. and and I wasn't even reading for like a character name. I was reading for Shooter Number Two, yeah. and uh, on the cover of Scary Movie Four, I wouldn't have been. I, actually, I think it was Shooter Number Three, and I remember being. I remember walking in the waiting room, and in the waiting room is Brian Callen, the comedian, and oh, yeah. and I go, I go, Brian, what the fuck are you doing here? And he goes, I'm reading for Shooter Number Three, and I go. <laughs> I go, me too. He goes, he goes, dude, I thought like at this point in my career I'd be fucking doing acceptance speeches and shit. And I'm rooting for shooter number three. And so we were both pissed about it. So I told that agent, I said, hey, man, this isn't working out, man. I, I'm going to have to look for somebody else. All right, cool, cool. He goes his way, I go my way. And then I get a call at the Howard Stern Show from this guy, Mike Socio, who's like, hey, man, uh, my name's Mike, and I've been trying to track you down. I don't know who your agent is. But I'm a writer for the TV show King of Queens, and I'm a big fan of yours. I wrote a character that uh, with you in mind. Mm -hmm. It's basically a guy who does impressions, and he's he. This guy 
gets hired at Kevin's work. Mm -hmm. And he does impressions. IPS. Every IPS is the name. It's like UPS, but they call it IPS. And this guy, he everybody loves him because everybody loves impressions. So mm -hmm. he's like the funniest guy at work. Kevin gets jealous of him and mm -hmm. and uh, and he wants to trip him up. So Kevin ends up sending him on a fake delivery route where he gets pulled out of his truck because he gets put Kevin sends him through a bad neighborhood where he gets the shit beat out of him. Mm -hmm. He ends up in the hospital. Kevin comes to the hospital to apologize and go, hey, man, I wasn't trying to get you hurt. I was just trying to get you fired, man. I'm sorry. And uh, so, you know, would you be interested in doing this? And I was like, oh, my God. He's like, I don't know. Like, have, are you interested in doing sitcoms? I was like, this is absolutely, man. This is amazing. He goes, all right. He goes, I'm going to, I just got to just, just a couple little details. We got to just, uh, but I just wanted to pitch it to you first. And I said, Dude, I am so in. Thank you for thinking of me and hang up the phone. The next day, I start getting text messages from that old agent who I fired. Oh. And he's call me ASAP. Please call. It's really so uh I finally call the guy and I go, "Hey man, what's going on?" And um this is what I hear. Craig, I know you're mad at me, okay? <laughs> I know that you told me to go fuck myself, okay? And you know what? <laughs> fuck me. Fuck me because I wasn't, I didn't do right by you, okay? I didn't do right by you, okay? But, and I know you're going to be mad at me, but I'm still your biggest cheerleader and I still talk about you to everybody, okay? And I know you're going to be pissed and I know you're going to be furious with me for saying this, but I just put you on King of Queens. <laughs> okay fuck me i'm so sorry i'm sorry i put you on king of queens but i just i love you so much i love you so much you're like a child to me you're like a child to me and i love you so much and i just i wanted to take care of you so i put you on king of queens and i went um wait a minute you had nothing to do with that i actually know the reason why i'm on king of queens is because of a guy named mike socio who's one of the head writers over there. He goes, no, 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 I did it. I did it all. And just let let me, let me, let me just handle the negotiations from here and I'll take care of you. And I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And I go, wait, wait, wait. I go, no, I go, it had nothing to do with you. It had to do with this guy, Mike. And he goes, no, 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 it had to do with me. And I go, wait, wait who did you talk to? And he said, I talked to someone over the show. And I go, but who? Just let me take care of it. And I go, no, but wait a minute, hold on. If you deserve credit for this, I want to make sure you get credit. So who is the person that you talk to? And he goes, Fred. <laughs> <laughs> and I go, Fred who? And he goes, Fred, he's, he's, look, I, I'll take care of it. And I go, well, wait a minute. Give me the, because wait a minute. Hold on. If I have a guy who's telling me he's responsible and you're telling me somebody like, I want to get to the bottom of this. Yeah. So that whoever deserves credit, and I already, I'm onto this. Like, I, I know what, and I go, so listen, give me Fred's phone number. And he goes, fine, it's 310-888-8888. Like, you know, he gives me a phone number. I call the number, it's disconnected. And I never hear from the agent again. Holy and, but shit. But he, he apparently, like, word got out that King of Queens wanted me. And somehow the industry is so connected that yeah. this guy actually got word like, oh, wait a minute, let me, I'm going to jump in and take this I'm money. Gonna this I'm going to get a percentage for this. Oh, and yeah, it was dude. crazy. Did you ever thank him? Uh, no. <laughs> no. So, uh, so I went and um, it was pretty cool. Um, 
And I don't know if I should say this or not. I don't know if I've ever said this publicly, but I was I was dating a girl at the time who happened to be the catering girl for I really happened to be and the only reason I'm bringing this up is uh because I fucked her on the set and <laughs> I thought that was like I thought that was the coolest thing in the world that we made love. I had such a um, on the set. Yeah, I mean it was like and even cooler than that is that she would say like they would blow so much money on catering like like it literally was like if somebody want like she goes like if somebody says hey we want to get pf chains we'll get like a, a two thousand dollars worth of pf chains brought in and, and i was like what and she goes yeah so it's literally she goes is there anything you'd want to get one day and i go i go i'd love to get some in and out she goes she goes we get some in and out so the next day everyone was like hey did you hear we got two thousand dollars worth of in and out i go we did and it, and they go yeah and then it was and i remember everyone was like all right we got you know a hundred cheeseburgers we got a hundred burgers we got x amount of fries and we have two orders of a of double doubles protein style and they go i go oh that's mine and they go what and like even kevin james is like you got a special order and i go i go oh well yeah well i, I like them protein style and and it was like this why the fuck is this guy who's never been on the show before? Why is he getting a special? Shots and yeah, and then I went up to my room and oh, made love. And made love on and I again. I'm I'm. It's terrible. I'm even saying this, but we did it on Patton Oswalt's couch. Because <laughs> I I awesome. Patton wasn't on the episode and I was using his dressing room. Spencer. Oh, it was it was yeah. so cool to be like, oh my god, I'm on a I'm on a huge. Um, Huge TV show. And it was the same thing as Sex in the City where I know this is a popular TV show. I don't know anything about it. I just know that it's popular. Mm -hmm. But I knew just reading the script that Kevin James was very likable. The character was written as very likable. Um, you couldn't help but root for the guy when you read the script. Like he's so he's insecure and he he just he just really wants people to like him. And so he mm -hmm. he wants to do impressions and Nobody can understand what the fuck his impressions are. No. So he tries like, all right, well, maybe I'll come in. And he just wants to be, he wants more attention than I'm getting. So he starts doing magic tricks and his magic tricks are fucked up because he keeps, he keeps dropping cards everywhere. And then, so he, he's like, maybe I'll learn how to breathe fire. And it's like, he's trying so hard to get yeah. everybody's attention and it's very likable. And uh, so, um, but um, the girl on the show, um, Leah, Remini? Leah Remini and I bonded immediately. Uh, so you're Scientologist now? Uh, I would be a Scientologist with, with Leah. I mean, it's like, <laughs> I just, I, you know, um, she was just so cool that we started calling each other fuckface within like 24 hours. We were calling each other fuckface. <laughs> And uh, yeah, she was yeah, she was super cool and obviously beautiful, and and um, and we bonded. And here's the crazy thing: I wasn't sure how Kevin felt about me. I was trying. This is my insecurity. I wanted to bond with Kevin so badly, and I wasn't feeling it on on rehearsals. Oh, like the connection. Like I wasn't feeling a connection. Um, and so uh, I remember that uh, this is very embarrassing to admit, but. Uh, we do rehearsals, and, and then when we'd rap, I would stand near the exit, 
and wait for Kevin to walk out. And then when I saw Kevin coming towards the exit, I would start walking in like, oh, oh, hey, Kevin. Like I, You'd be like the hot chick that you're trying to run into. Like, yes, yes, on the way out of school. And, uh, and I'd, I'd catch him walking out. I'd be like, oh, Kevin, right? Hey, uh... And I go, uh, Kevin, because uh, Kevin was the last guy to sign off on me. Like, Mike said, I have an idea for a character. And it would be just be you basically being you. Mm-hmm. You're doing impressions. And, and Kevin gets you. And I was like, oh, my God, I love it. He goes, all right, I just need Kevin to sign off on it. Which made me feel like, oh, man. That made me feel nervous because it was like, what if I just got pitched this amazing idea but Kevin doesn't sign off on it. And for right. the rest of my life, I'm yeah. going to know that Kevin James doesn't like me. <laughs> but Kevin saw videos of me and he said, okay, this guy, he does impressions. This is what he looks like. This is some of his impressions. And Kevin was like, oh, I love him. Let's do it. And I was like, oh. So I'm like, all right. And I, in my mind, I was like, Kevin must re- like me. Yeah. But yeah. he, I could tell right away that it was just kind of like, yeah, man, that, that works. He wasn't right. like, oh my God, I love him. Man, he was just great. like, I like the idea. Yes, let's do it. And I wanted more. I wanted. Right. I wanted him to like me. You wanted to have espresso like you were I, with Roger, with Roger Waters. Waters. <laughs> so I'm standing at the exit, like you know, waiting for him. Like, hey, Kevin, man, um, thanks again for uh, for getting me to be you know on the show with you. And and Kevin every day would just be like, oh yeah, it's gonna be great. We're gonna. That's it. He would just be like, yeah, cool. And I was like, oh man, I'm not bonding with him. I'm not like I really want to be friends with this guy. But this crazy thing happened years later, like literally four or five years later. I'm at the Super Bowl. I always perform in the Super Bowl city every year and I interview the teams. So I'm at the Super Bowl Media Center. I'm broadcasting from there. Adam Sandler, Chris Rock, uh, Kevin James, David Spade, and Rob Schneider all show up together to promote Grown Ups. I'd say the entire cast of Grown Ups. The entire cast of Grown Ups show up to, uh, to promote this movie that's coming out soon. And. Uh, and they split up into two groups to work the entire media center. There's a uh, probably like between 100 and 200 radio stations. So they're going to break up into two groups and and work this whole room. And Kevin went walking past me, and I said, uh, "Hey, Kevin, how you doing?" And he's with security, and he goes, "Hey, how you doing, buddy?" And he kept walking, and, and he stopped and looked at me, and he went, "Gas." <laughs> he goes, "Dude." He goes, "Wait, come come here." I got- I got to get you to do your Sandler for the Sandman. And he walked me across the room into another room where Adam Sandler was hanging out. And he goes, Adam, he goes, this is Craig Gass. This guy does an impression of you. And uh, do, do your impression. So I start doing the impression and, and Sandler goes, oh, that's good. That's good. I like that. <laughs> but he interrupted the impression before I could complete it. And I said, oh, well, there's one more part to the impression. Uh, your laugh where you go, and, and Sandler went, okay, take it easy, take it easy. <laughs> relax, relax, buddy. I got you, I got you. So, but dude, for Kevin James, like all those years later, to look me right in the face yeah. and go, gas. And I was like, oh my God. And so. Did we just become best friends? Did we just? <laughs> because I want us to become best friends. I really do. I want us to become his best friends. But he remembered me and he was nice enough to do that. So, so yeah, man, it's like, uh, it's funny how. Um, and it's on every level in comedy from the very top to the very bottom how we might have shit that's cool but we want more always, like we, all, we always we want like there's and there's always people behind you that wish they had what you had yeah but you're looking at the stuff you don't have and you wish you had more but, uh, but yeah it's, it's just never enough a lot of times but I mean that is that's awesome because I, I like I love King and Queen so and then I remember it was Danny who who 
Danny who brought you on uh, onto IPS and is like, yeah, yeah, I got you guys ever you, you guys met so and so and he's like, hey, do do your uh, oh your blind Al Pacino. Oh yeah, so yeah. You start doing your blind Al Pacino and from Scent of a Woman. Yeah. Yeah, and Kevin's like, uh, hey guys, I'm telling the story here. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, he came off as so likable, and it was like it was so much fun. And um, and the bummer was that Mike wanted my character to be a recurring character, but Mike also wrote a movie called Hitch. Oh, that, with uh, Will Smith. With yeah. Will Smith and Kevin James. And once Kevin got a taste of movies, he was like, "Oh, let's." Let's just do movies. Mm -hmm. And so he ended King of Queens and just moved into movies. And I was like, shit, like I wanted that character. But it was a great experience. And again, you know, uh, be grateful for what you have. But and that's uh, if there's any note I want to end this on, it's that um, it's about being grateful. And uh, um, but more importantly, if you have any kind of dream to do anything, you should be pursuing it because um uh that's what um that's what senior citizens always say on their deathbed is like why didn't i try to chase a dream it's like life is so short it's like it it goes by so quick like and um and life is what you make it and if yeah you have to you have to you have to pursue a dream, man, because there's there's nothing more satisfying. And again, I've been lucky enough to pay my bills for 18 years and also pay my mom's bills. But the thing that I value the most is the thousands of hours of conversations I've had mm-hmm. about this thing that I love with other comedians, uh, analyzing our favorite comics, our least favorite comics, mm-hmm. uh, the comedy clubs we love, the comedy club owners we hate, mm-hmm. um, and all these funny aspects to, um, you have goals that you head towards, but it's not about that. It's about the journey, the journey. that you take to the goals, and that's that's where that's where the happiness is. Is well, like exper- I'm, experience. Experiences are what really leads to true happiness, especially the bad ones. Yeah. The bad ones are the best experiences you can as have. As you remember. To the fucking T. Those are the ones that like you grow the most. Like, yes. Like I always tell people who want to be in comedy, like you'll never learn from having a good night. You'll only learn from a bad mm-hmm. set mm-hmm. because when you have a bad set where something goes off or something just doesn't work and it's fucking embarrassing to be up there and you're like, oh man, this really sucks and nobody wants to talk to you and you start driving home. On the way home, you just you sit there so uh, shell shocked by what you experience. You just play it over and over and over in your head. And all of a sudden, you go, you know what I should have said? I should have said this. And that's growth. Right in that moment, that's growth. And that moment or a moment similar to that may never happen again. But if it does, you're going to have a line, boom, right there. And you're going to recover and bounce on and you're going to be good. And we always, we all of us experience that to a moment, to a point where even with friends, like, God. Yeah, it's like being in a relationship. You're in a relationship long enough, you get really good at arguing because, like, your girlfriend might like have something on you that'd be like fuck, and then like later that night you'll think, oh, you know what I should have said to that bitch? Like, oh man, like, oh man, and then you you hope she brings it up again the next day. Like, hey, yeah, yeah, because I got something to say too, bitch. Like, yeah. 
And it's, yeah. So it's the same oh. thing. And it's like, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's that, um, you know, I'll never have another opportunity to perform for Roger Waters. So that, that, that moment is long gone. Oh, well, I would never say that. But I always say, also, like I've always said, is like, uh, or I heard, actually, I don't want to say, but I heard and I love it, is that, I, wouldn't you rather live? Wouldn't you rather live scared and happy than miserably comfortable? Which mm. is, you know, what a lot of people do. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and I mean, it's too bad that it's so late. But I was telling Baden, I didn't tell Baden anything about, um, but your Roger Rogers story because I was like, oh, maybe fucking Craig will say it. But it is long, but it's fucking, it's classic, and that's why I said the espresso stuff. Oh, okay. Yeah. The 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 the. Coolest moments that in my life that have ever happened have been because of, of risks that I took. So, but I, I got to run out of here. Yeah, man, no, man, I got to get well, a we really appreciate We your truly time, appreciate. Man. I mean, just to wrap it up uh, again, this is Craig Gass, and um, I want to thank you, Craig, for giving me the opportunity to work on your bit for the animation. Of course, man, um, it came out great. It's called Love Letter to Seattle. Love Letter to Seattle. Yep. Um, appreciate you coming to take some time out of your day to talk with us i mean truly appreciate that i mean for real man um to me it's always about friends and, and people and health that's my main things that i think make us all well, me makes me happy anyway and we truly appreciate it and um i know i'll let Baden say something but i first of all i just want to say if you could say juan and joe podcast and your al pacino sure of course <laughs> so it's uh and what what is the tagline you want me to say um, well, we don't really have anything. Just do, you're just, listening to the Juan and Joe podcast. Yeah, you're listening so to right. like Juan and Joe podcast. Like, we'll I'll, we'll I'll do a couple of them. Okay. Hey, what's going on? This is Tom Arnold, and you're listening to the Juan and Jose podcast. Juan Jose, is that it? Juan and Joe. Oh, Juan and Joe. Oh, yeah. yeah. Close enough. Uh, Juan it. <laughs> hey, what's going on? This is Tom Arnold. You're listening to two Mexican guys, and uh, <laughs> it was really fun. I like cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, this is Christopher Walken, and you're listening to Juan and Joe, the podcast. Keep it here and tell me, are these guys' voices fucked up, or is it me? Pow! Hey, what's going on? This is Lars Ulrich from Metallica, and you're listening to two guys who I always get my coke from. It's Juan and Joe, of course. I always know Joe is Jose the fucking drug mule. Huh? Ha <laughs> ha! Hey, this is Paul Stanley, and this is Gene Simmons from KISS, and you're listening to Juan and Joe, who just paid me five bucks to say, listen to this podcast. If you missed any part of this plug, go to kissonline.com. Boom. Hey, what's happening? This is Tracy Morgan. I'm a black dude. You're listening to two guys who sound like Mexicans, Juan and Jose. But they call him Joe. Keep it here or I'll put a baby in your butthole. <laughs> Hi, this is Al Pacino. And you're listening to two motherfuckers who I like to call my friends, me amigos. Juan and Joe, the podcast. Right here, cocksuckers. Hoo-ha. Hi, this is Gilbert Gottfried, and you're listening to two people who I just wish would shut the fuck up. It's Juan and Joe. We get it. You're loud. Yes, Aflac. Hey, what's going on? This is uh, Adam Sandler, and uh, you're listening to two guys who are not Jews. 
It's Juan and Joe, and it's the podcast. Shibby doo. Hee hoo. How's that? Oh, Is that nice, good? Man. That's amazing, man. Better, bro. All right. Oh, man. Hey, thank you so much. Hey, this is Brady. You're listening to <laughs> Juan and Joe, and they got these. Uh, they're. It's really. It's good. It's good. So keep it tuned. <laughs> Brady, why are you awake? It's midnight. <laughs> oh man, because Kirby woke you up again. My my wife's been working the street. She's sucking. She, we're making extra cash. <laughs> Oh, oh, shit. Shit. Well, thank you so much, man. We really appreciate you your doing time. It. it was awesome. good times, man. And that's a fucking wrap. That's a fucking wrap.